Welcome to Empowered by Women for Women. This podcast brings you inspirational women and their stories, their successes, and their experiences along the way. Join us to be challenged and inspired. Brought to you by Mvintage and hosted by myself, Trudy Kerr. Today's guest has her own Wikipedia page, which immediately elevates them to super guest status, as well as being a household name. You will, of course, know that Moira Delia is a Maltese television presenter and actress. Moira is also a producer of the TV show Animal Diaries and well known as an animal rights campaigner and founder of RAR, Real Animal Rights Foundation. Moira is not only passionate about animal rights, but outspoken as well. Most recently, walking out on a live television program after her claims that there were photos to prove that a zookeeper, Chris Borge, was keeping a bear on a chain. These were rebutted and she was called a liar. However, Moira was applauded and supported by almost all of the Maltese islands. Welcome, Moira! Oh my goodness, That's, this is the best introduction I've ever had. Honestly, I've been on television, radio, you mention it, as you said, but... Oh my God, you have the voice for radio. I love it. Oh, I love bless you, you. Off to a grand start, oh, Moira. Oh my God. We haven't seen each other for a very long time. Yes, and thanks to your invite, I can have a decent conversation with you here. <laughs> we Thank get to you. sit down and enjoy half an hour or so of each other's company. But I, I really, really want to know more about you because... I see an awful lot of you, have seen a lot of you on television. You've had a long career in television. As I said, you're a household name and you have a Wikipedia page. Do you, don't tell me you didn't know this. Oh, you read my mind. You read my eyes, my facial expressions, because I had no idea what came up onto my on onto my Gmail. You know, when when they mentioned my name, I have it set somehow. They got me set to uh, reading where I'm mentioned, and today I just read that I'm rich and I own cars and properties and I'm worth That's three nice. to point five million. Not, uh, it's not <laughs> true. <laughs> it's far from the truth. Well, listen, I don't mind you contesting the three to five million. Three but to you, five three million. to five million. I'm you do have a very nice coat on, though. You do look like you could carry that off. Oh, really? But <laughs> but that's the last thing I would spend my money on for one expensive coat. On a coat, <laughs> definitely on no expensive cars. I'll tell you something. If I had that kind of money, all the sanctuaries will be so comfortable. Wouldn't that be lovely? Yeah. Yes, we'll have the best sanctuaries, the most luxurious sanctuaries in the world. That'd be fantastic. Well, we're going to talk about animals and animal rights mm -hmm. and so on in, in a minute. But first of all, I would like you to give me a rundown of the career that brought you to being a TV presenter and who you are today. Leaving aside the animal rights, because that's a separate subject we'll touch on in a second. But how did you get to where you are? Okay, first of all, I skived school a lot right <laughs> so I had to figure out what on earth I would you were a naughty doing. girl yes I skived school I I I loved interesting lectures interesting lessons when I had the, the right teacher but once it got boring I just either slept throughout the lesson or skived so so 
Moira Bonello at the time had to figure out what she's going to do with her life because I wasn't fully qualified. I never went to university. I never finished my my A-levels. So there I, w- I was uh, looking out for a job as, as a receptionist, as a, as a manager in hotel and ho- hotel businesses, business. And yes, it was my personality. I'm going to be honest. I was a bit um, more of um, an outgoing. I am outgoing, but I never shied away from anything. And today I look back, oh my God, how did I manage to get to into accountancy when I wasn't even qualified? But it took a lot Moira, of lessons. You, you were an and accountant. Not an accountant. I used to help out in the same office, office doing work on accounts. So how did I get into that office? You know, I mean, they taught me things. I was a fast learner. Yes, fair enough. Fast learner from a receptionist, uh, three different hotels to to a head receptionist to accounts to I look back and then there I was trying to voice my opinion about animals, about uh, my thoughts. You know how opinionated I am in in a no, good way. Really, in a, <laughs> in a good way is just no one will shut me up. No one you know, certain. Men, let's face it, they do try and shut women up. Oh, when... don't answer every question that I have okay, on my... Okay, okay, okay. okay. Let's stick so to how you got back, from accountancy. Back to hotels and accountants and invoicing and uh, you name it. I went on to my first show, which was karaoke outside in in different parts of uh, Malta, villages. This was a televised show? Yes, But then how did that come about? Because you've you've just gone from doing invoices to this. It was, I was assisting um, Charles Rirep, who was a quiz master at the time, in a quiz show. I was just assisting him, just looking pretty on TV, really. They didn't give me much to say. But how did you even get into that? I don't know. I was approached. And I did some modeling stuff. I used to model, do adverts, you know, pose for for, um, a soft drink or water. I used to get these odd jobs, which gave me some good pocket money at the time. And then I started being the valletta of this quiz show. And then from there, I started co-hosting into programs like karaoke, different programs, and then a main presenter. Oh, yes, I forgot. In the meantime, I got married, right, and separated, and I had, a, I had my son. I kept my son throughout the whole week, and we shared custody, yes, still. But I needed an income. So there I was trying to figure out how, what, which is the best job that gives you um, a good income and the least hours possible to work. So TV, TV producing and TV hosting. You can produce from home, you can do all the work from home and in studio, and then you're present, presenting a show for an hour, maybe two hours. But that's the hours. magic formula. Moira, that's how, the most amount of money for the least amount yes, of work. Yes, yes. Suddenly everybody <laughs> listening to this is like, quick, get into TV. That's I what I want. I used to take my son, my two, two-year-old son, to studio and tell him that, listen... You have to be quiet. I have to present this two-hour show, and we're out of here. Then programs start coming, started coming, and at one point I was practically presenting three programs um, a week, which was quite hectic, but good money. 
So I tried to figure out as well my parents helping me out, my, my boyfriend at the time, my ex-husband taking care of my son. Yes, they have a very good relationship. And I managed to get into TV without any training. You have this a picture in mind, and yes, I want to do it. I want to get there. And I was, I think, hard-headed as hell, and I managed to get my programs on TV. But you've just identified one of the very key things about getting to a successful place, is you have to be able to visualize that, yes. what you want, and then you can focus on it. If you don't know what you want, you're not going to get anywhere. Yes, exactly. You have but to I, know what you want. You also have to have a cheeky smile like you do, Moira. Really? Yes. Oh my God, I still... <laughs> oh, I thought I, I dropped that. <laughs> well, listen, I, I looked you up, obviously I found you on Wikipedia. And then I went on to stalk you all over the internet. The first three pages of Google, because I didn't make it any further, after three pages I said enough is enough, describe you less as a TV presenter, but more in association with animals, Uh animal protection, animal rights. And this is also now, also because of the TV show, how we know you. If anybody mentions Moira, you automatically think of Animal Diaries and you being very involved in animal rights. How did that come about? Because you mentioned just a minute ago that that this was from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. That is actually lovely. Such a nice compliment to, to, to hear that from you because 30 years ago, I wanted this. I wished, I dreamt, I hoped for this. And... You know, like, oh, I'm, I'm happy I got to where I am now. At least I used my voice for, for animal rights. And I, I started slipping in these animal welfare issues into my programs, although they had nothing to do with animals. Nothing. So there I am with a dumped um, a rescue dog, dumped on the streets outside the studio. And I used to get him into the studio film him and rehome him through the program I'm presenting, which had absolutely nothing to do, like um, an evening show, um, hosting, and then there I am. This dog has been found out on the streets. We are looking for a home. Please, can you call him? And immediately we would rehome a dog like Chica here next to me, right next to me. She's another rescue dog. So, yes, I tried to start slipping in these cases finally I got to host and produce my own show about animals so thank you for for pointing that out but you mentioned this right from the very beginning you mentioned this when you talked about leaving school mm-hmm. and you mentioned about caring about animals then this has been a lifelong passion of oh yours? yes my mother my <gasps> okay mother. explain to me about this I've just yes. bang on where does this come from <laughs> so so my mother came from a very, very poor family, poor background, yes. My father was the one who, who, who had the business. So my mother felt sorry for any animal out on the road, even a bird, even anything we would save and take home with us. So we had birds, we had cats, dogs, uh, a tortoise, anything, you name it, and they were all rescued. We even fed the birds from our mouths. 
you know, she, she taught us these very basic things, how to rescue and save these animals. And that's where the love came. That's where we rescued every cat we found, found out on the road. And it kept on growing, growing. My mother is, is a very, very good woman. I mean, she's the simplest of all. She loves food, she hates makeup, she hates dressing up, and she loves the most natural, simple stuff that you can have in life. She, she's that she sounds like work. a lovely oh, lady. Yes. But if you see her, you know, she doesn't wear any makeup or she's, she's not into that scene. She's not into looking her utmost, just everything as natural as possible. However, when she sees her daughters not wearing makeup, okay, and not up to her standards, she's the one to point it out. So oh, she's bless going to her. Oh, you're looking, she'll tell me right away, oh, you're looking so tired today, you know, where's the makeup, your hair, and where's this? Where's... Is she still rescuing animals? No, because we are doing all the work <laughs> now. It's me and my sister. So she's handed it over to yes, you. Yes, yes, yes. As I was stalking you through the internet, I saw a post of yours congratulating Animal Welfare Commissioner Alison Betzina, who has a a huge job on her hands. But you were congratulating for her for the strides that we've made since she took that post. Yes. But we know, and I know that I can hear from what you're saying, we still have a long lot. way yes, to go to with regards to the treatment of animals in Malta. And this is an issue anywhere. But what are the key issues with regards to animal welfare here in Malta, because we're going to talk about RAR in just a mm -hmm. second. Before mm -hmm. we get there, so, what, identify for me, what are the issues? Where is your point of passion? First and foremost, we couldn't have asked for a better woman, uh, woman, and I insist, woman, women have compassion, excuse me, but more than men. Sometimes in most women, especially animal lovers like Alice and Berzina, we needed a woman who acts who knows what it is when dogs or any other animals are treated badly and something has to be done. We can't sit. She doesn't sit down and sleep, sleep through the night knowing that there are cases, pending cases. But does that explain why, in a recent conversation with Rosalinda Juice, who is with Animal, does that then explain why, in a recent conversation with Rosalinda Juice from the AAA, she was explaining to me that most of the roles relating to animal welfare are held by women. Yes, that's another superwoman, Rosalind Ajus, that you mentioned. She does everything and she saves every case. She does, she, she acts on, on, on every case that she can reach, she can get hands on, because you can't save them all, unfortunately. Now, the problem is, and I, this is my opinion, most politicians, and well, nearly all the politicians, are worried, more worried about the number of votes. So they will not, they will not hurt any, any individual because that's a vote. So we see rescuing animals, that's our first, that's our priority, first step. They do not see that, unfortunately. But hang on a second, hang on, Moira. I agree with you. However, surely... Some laws, like making bestiality illegal, mm -hmm. 
that that's a no-brainer. That's not a, a rote swinger. That's basic. Yes, and that's yes. So, but not, why why do we still not have that's, these laws? That, that's only maybe a one vote. When you are targeting, like a politician, we are working on new legislations with regards to breeders at the moment, breeders, zoos, you name it. There are more people involved there, people with big businesses, big money, owning all those wild animals, all those zoos, you know, that's big money. So politicians are scared to touch those kind of people or the breeders, there are a lot of illegal breeding at the moment, a lot of illegal breeding. So we're trying to get in order a proper law that respects first and foremost dogs and cats that are overbred for money. Again, we need politicians with, I don't know, balls. balls. Thank you. Can you say that on radio? Uh, Well, we just did. Yes, good. We need politicians with balls to go for it. And why even think about votes when you are trying to protect a, a sentient being? Why? And this is why I came back to surely it is not a yes or no vote issue. Surely it is these are animals they need protecting. It's why alive. do we not bring it's in a... the law? But you uh-huh. mentioned just back then, you mentioned about the breeders, the breeders and the illegal breeders. And you also mentioned about zoos. Now, I could imagine and I've seen that politicians avoid quite often, avoid the hunter argument because so many people are involved in hunting. And we're not going to go down that road just for the moment. We won't go there. But this thing about zoos, I mean, as a layperson who's lived in Malta for 17 years, seriously, zoos? Do we have zoos? They're cages, not zoos. They're cages with wild animals in them. They're not zoos. I mean, zoos and parks, open parks. You have an animal who can walk freely in a big area, in a large area. These are cages. They call them enclosures, not to mention, to stay away from the word cage. Uh, Enclosure is a polite word for cage, right? Zoos is a bit larger still. It's a confined space. Do we agree? Yes, absolutely. Uh But are we talking about a lot of these in Malta? A lot of these, yes. A foreign foreign NGO was actually surprised at the amount of tigers we have in Malta for the size of Malta. Large amount of tigers. A large amount of tigers, we're talking two or three? Oh, no, no. It's even more scary and worrying because there are people with private collections at home, so... We did have a case where a video was uploaded on social media. A panther was on a roof. So you have a family with children going up on the roof to play. And next thing, for all you know, there's a panther on the other roof, which could be so Let me dangerous. ask you, this, this seems to me like an absolute no-brainer. Yes. Wild animals yes. belong Why are in they the taking long to have proper laws, all there is is a small a five-sentence paragraph with regards to zoos in Malta, the regulations. We want proper laws to safeguard the wild animals in these so-called zoos, so-called, uh, for me, they're, they're cages. So we're talking about the law mm-hmm. and changing the law. Favouring always, putting our animals... Top, first place, number one, priority, you know. It's not about votes. It's not about politics. It's nothing. Can we 
forget about politics, can we forget about the votes and take care of these poor animals who are caged for life? I mean, imagine someone gets stuck in a lift for two hours. You know how we freak out. We can't be stuck in a lift. Let's, okay, let's be kinder, a panoramic lift, because the cage is, is what it is. It's not a closed lift. But imagine a bear, a tiger who is caged for life when they travel for so, for thousands of kilometers in their own habitat. So I was educated this way. At school, we were taught that these animals do not belong in cages. So why are we accepting these so-called zoos in our country? But that's what I wanted to get to the point of. How do we then change the way people, not just politicians, but people think? Education. Education. And education where? How, how do we educate? Schools, schools. But this is just kids. I mean, if you're educating a child, how do you but then... But we ref- need campaigns showing that this is not having a tiger in a cage. is not natural. There's nothing educational about seeing a tiger in a cage. Let's learn more about the feeling and the behavior of the tiger in the cage. Then, yes. I mean, we, we hear about a lot of vegan children children nowadays most children i know they're learning more and they do not want to eat a chicken they don't want a chicken as an animal for them okay for some people this is extreme okay let's not go there but yes abroad that's their aim and that's their aim to educate our children to let them know that we can choose we can choose to eat animals or we can be their friends and enjoy them in their own natural habitat and respect them so I'm hoping slowly we'll get there, slowly. But first and foremost, we need to stop the breeding of wild animals in Malta. That must stop. Breeding wild animals breeding in wild Malta. animals in Malta. How so, do we not know so that? We Malta, already... how, do, how do I and the people listening to this podcast not know that wild animals are being bred in this country? It gets worse, unfortunately. They sell them to countries that... Um, for private collections, as long as they're paid, they wouldn't know where the tiger is going. And people are, zoo owners are breeding and selling as long as they cover uh, the costs and sell the tiger. It's, it's sad. It's really, really sad. And all this is being done with the go-ahead of the authorities. What we want is proper laws that the breeding will stop, the petting will stop. Why would you want your child or why would you want to pet a tiger? Is that natural? No. Is it natural for a tiger? No, far from natural. Tigers don't want to be petted, especially if it's a baby cub when the mother is right opposite seeing her own baby being touched by a human you know, all the scents weigh better, much better than, than humans. And then she has to um, take the cup back normally with cats. Let's mention cats. Just I know it's a domestic animal, not a wild animal. Normally, mothers abandon their kittens when humans touch them because uh, they're removing and they're rubbing, they're, they're rubbing away the, the natural smell of the mother. The same thing happens with wild tigers. So they end up abandoning the tigers and they're force-fed with with unnatural milk, you know, formula milk. So it's sad. So is this why you founded RAR? Explain to me what RAR is. Real Animal Rights Foundation. The whole idea of RAR came when COVID 
broke out. Um, the first phase of the pandemic, all the people were coming to us, us, me, and most animal lovers, not having enough money because they lost their jobs, not uh, their feeders, cat feeders. They didn't have any money to feed their cats. And we needed something um, official. So you can't just collect money and tell people. You need to be an NGO, have a VO number where your can, accounts are presented to the VO commissioner. So quickly we formed an NGO so we could uh, would be a registered NGO and collect money. Um, in a year, I won't mention the thousands we spent, thanks to the public donating. Oh, people were so kind, so generous. I mean, thousands of cat food, dog food. We, we gave out to people. And during the worst part of COVID, you know, where the streets were totally empty, everyone's quiet at home, we neutered and fed so many hungry cats. Thanks to all the donations that came in. That was so rewarding. I've never, I have never felt that way ever. The amount of food coming. Because in. you're making a difference. Yes. And we didn't sit at home and do nothing about it. We were out there. If the police stopped us, we explained what we were doing. We were careful. We were on the ball doing what should be done. Animals depend on us. So we were out there neutering, feeding, trapping, or oh, you name it. So it post, rehoming. post lockdown, mm -hmm. what does RAR do now? We still help feeders. We are also involved with pressure groups in the EU to better the laws within the EU. For example, lately, there was a vote to have an EU commissioner solely for animal welfare. So, uh, so RAR is involved in that as well, not locally. We, we do work on having a proper law with regards to breeding, with regards to zoo animals, you name it, neutering campaigns. We, we talk to politicians to have um, a national neutering campaign, which we have 125,000. Uh, the government will be giving 125,000, allocating it to neutering only. So it's, it's a lot of work, which is never seen, but it's never ending. You mentioned just a few minutes ago about the fact that Alison Betsina, an amazing woman, oh, and then we got amazing. onto the topic of women yes. and women being ideal in that role because they, generally speaking, we don't want to insult anybody who's male no, in no, this uh -huh. instance, but I, I generally more compassionate. Insult. Yes, more compassionate. Uh -huh. I want to come to this male-female thing for a second because I have no doubt that you putting yourself out in the public arena being very outspoken as you are, have had backlash. Mm -hmm. And probably much more so because you're a woman. Let's just face it, women are more easily targeted than men when it comes to these things. You were so disgusted in a TV show that you just got up and walked out. And because you were being abused by the person who was talking to you and you said enough is enough I'm going to do that and I love that Moira oh, I was you. there cheering you on <laughs> going go girlfriend go girlfriend and trust me it wasn't planned at all the plan wasn't no that but you said in, you said that's not acceptable I yes, know what I know exactly. I'd seen what I've seen and I am not a liar and you mm -hmm. will not discuss that exactly but do you and Alison and other women in these roles with regards to 
animal welfare. Do you do you get backlash? Do you get bad press? Do you first, get hard first time? First of all, there are some really nice men out there who support us. Of course, nonstop. Really nice. Absolutely. I mean, we have some some um, dedicated gentlemen out there. It's just these personalities, these men that um, unfortunately won't accept a woman telling them what to do. If it was a man, they would actually keep a conversation and argue the topic, but accept it from a man. Unfortunately, some of these men, in this case, even in the studio, he, this, this kind of personality wouldn't take a woman telling him what is right or what is wrong. So he kept on calling me a liar, a liar, a liar repetitively but he knows that I'm not lying he knows it's exactly. not exactly a very intelligent line is it yes <laughs> exactly so with regards if I go back to the hunting referendum that is where I got all the threats so we were three front faces Xavier Balzan myself and Mark Sultana Xavier Balzan and Mark Sultana didn't get half of the threats I got because they're men I got all the threats, the phone calls at 7 a.m., threatening my fam family, threatening... You're serious? Yes, just because I had a completely different opinion to theirs. And I'm proud of it. I still believe that spring hunting had to be abolished at the time. And I will still insist on that because hunters themselves complain that, that there aren't any birds now to hunt obviously because they're shooting them down before nesting before um, migration I got all that abuse and I call it abuse because it was quite frightening to have a man telling me what to do for example there was a, a bird club a hunting club in Gargour that sent me a message not to go to Gargour because I'll be sorry I mean what on earth they wouldn't send this to, to Saviour and Mark, but they sent it to me. And all the threats, threats continuously. My parents were scared, my family, my neighbours were scared. Certain bullies, and bullies they are. And I feel for the women they live with, truly, honestly. Because if they are like that with, with someone they don't know, and they speak to me the way they speak to me, what about their women at home? Do they have to just put their head down and accept what their husbands are telling them what to do? I'm really sorry that you had that experience. I'm Thank really you. sorry that you felt threatened. I'm sorry that you were threatened. I do completely and utterly have a huge heart for you, Moira, for not backing down. Yes, I can't ever back down. Don't get me wrong. I don't expect these people to like me ever because then... That would be a problem. I'm doing something wrong. We come from a completely different culture and I'm for life. I, I fight for life. They want to just kill birds. But on the other hand, we have different opinions, but that doesn't mean that you can threaten me and um, use certain language, you know, just because we, we don't agree on the subject. Same goes to other, other issues, other matters. Certain bullies are out there just to shut women up. I love talking to you. Thank You're so you. passionate oh, about so many you. things. Um, and I am. Did I talk too much? Yes. We haven't yeah. finished yet. Oh, okay. Because okay, before good. we wrap up, mm -hmm. I have just one last question for you. 
It's a complete change of topic. Mm-hmm. You're also an actress. Am I? Because you've appeared. <laughs> because if you research you, Moira. <laughs> you did your research really oh, yeah. well. Um, Montageddon you... in 2009. Yes. <laughs> um, Angeli the movie in 2005. Yeah. But I think possibly my favourite is Malta Force oh my in God. Uh, 2010. <laughs> this looks like you had immense fun doing this and descri- as described as on the way to the Eurovision Song Contest, the Maltese contingent airplane is hijacked <laughs> by a group of terrorists <laughs> led by Dr. Middlefinger. <laughs> and the Maltese government send in Malta Force to the rescue led by the one and only Joe Bambo. <laughs> and you play Agent Puss. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, where do we start from here? I don't even know what my question is about this, but I read and I said to myself, what? I know. <laughs> How did this come it about? It was so much fun, so much laughter. I've never laughed so much in my life. I'm telling you, the, the behind the scenes was far more entertaining than the film itself. I'm sorry to say, but no, Anjali was something serious, something that I was appointed to do and I did and it was hard work. It was hard work. I had a very, very long script to study and I'm not an actress. I'm not. I'm far from an actress by profession. Nothing. I just studied acting at school, but that's it. I left it. That was the class that you stayed awake for. No, I got actually a prize for acting in school. Wow. Three times a year. You didn't skive? You didn't fall No, no, asleep. that was fun on stage. See? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not academically bright, but on stage presenting, I think I was made for, for, for this and tried to push my way forward to what I to being an accountant. I'm good at, I don't yeah. know. But anyway, and um, then after Anjali, these two films came. Oh, and we laughed so much with Gianni and Chandru and, you know, the team was, and Joe D'Amicoli, so naturally funny, you know. And I was practically one, the only woman, or three women amongst all those men, and filming in the middle of the night, Rudy, I mean... I mean, who cares about lack of sleep? We were such a good, fun group in the middle of the night and all that darkness and trying to remember our lines. Moira, what are we going to see from you from the future? Are we not ever going to see them all together again? again? I was asked to do a sequel lately. Yes, it's being written. I have accepted to be a character in, in the next film. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. Yes. Moira Delia is coming back for oh Maltageddon 2. <laughs> Fantastic and exclusive on oh. this show. What else have we got in, in line for you? Oh, no, it's, it's really animals, basically. So in the coming years, in the coming months, I just... I, I love working for animals. I love rescuing. I love rehoming, um, neutering anything to do with the law, to, to, to make the law better. At least I'm leaving something there which I participated in, you know. The breeding law, the zoo law, yes, I'll work. I won't stop working for animals, ever. Moira, thank you so much for everything that you do. Thank you. I hope I wasn't boring. I hope I, I not didn't at talk all. too much. Not at all. No? You sure? Okay, you can edit and, you know, edit out anything. But I'm leaving this bit in. 